every generation, there is a chosen podcast. It alone will analyze the subtext, the allegory, and the clever Whedon-esque dialogue. It is Conversations with Dead People. nightmares yesterday oh so how was that for a segue paul how'd i do that was that was great <laughs> i i i'm embracing this new freestyle form of podcasting where i think we're just fading in like the audience is probably fading into us discussing right now i don't even know <laughs> I, I don't even know if there's really going to be an intro so i will just i'll take this opportunity to say welcome to conversations with dead people and i don't really want to be here right now um <laughs> This is this is may or may not be what the listeners were expecting when they tuned into this episode. Um, this is a very special episode of Conversations with Dead People. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, it, it's been a hectic day and a half or so of Whedon-related news and events, and um, I had Dale scheduled. Uh, to join me to discuss three episodes of Angel, and then the world kind of fell apart a little bit. Again, more, further. And we decided, well, Dale was like, should we maybe do a special episode and not talk about the stuff? I was like, I don't know. I've, I've tried to avoid doing this with this podcast, but the hits kept coming. So coming here we are uh this is what we're doing so this will not be we will not be reviewing any episodes of angel or anything else uh in this particular episode this is going to be sort of a, a state of the whedon union i suppose and um i don't actually believe that either of my uh wonderful lovely guests need any kind of introduction at this point but i'm going to do it anyways because they both deserve it um <laughs> First up, the original Conversations with Dead People guest, fan scholar and author of, at this point, I think literally countless uh, essays and books on pop culture, uh, including the very germane uh, Bite Me, the unofficial guide to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and Once Bitten, an unofficial guide to the world of Angel, Nikki Stafford. Nikki, welcome back. Thank you, Paul. I'm, it was very, very short notice. I am so thankful <laughs> that you... That you uh, got my my bat signal I, and responded. I'm so glad that you like posted right on the wall and was like, <laughs> "I'm trying to message because I'm terrible. I never see what I feel. About. I feel bad when I do that. I've I've done that to perfect. some people. I, I always feel terrible, but <laughs> I really I really wanted you on this one. But we had to have extra time to make sure we got in that Canadian podcast visa. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that other voice that you just heard. Um, is the almost newest Stacy Abbott snuck in right after you, Dale. So you're not, you are no longer the newest, but almost newest addition to the conversations family. Um, author of among many other nerdy things, faith and choice in the works of Jess Whedon. Uh, my very good friend, Dale Guffey. It's really good to be here. Although 
I really want to get back to talking about Angel, but. <laughs> Trust me, uh, there I have people who have been waiting for my Angel discussions. Uh, none more than me. I've been, <laughs> I've been saying since the beginning of this podcast that I just wanted to get to Angel, and here we are, and the wheels keep coming off of this damn cart. Yeah. But, so, um, I don't even know. I don't. I don't even know where to begin uh, with any of this. Who who wants to set the stage? <laughs> who wants to start us off? I, I guess it's uh, it's my show. I guess I should say something. Um, so yesterday, uh, Charisma Carpenter, the actress that plays Cordelia Chase, played Cordelia Chase on Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Um, she put out an official statement. Um, there, there had been rumors, I, I guess they go beyond rumors. It had been an open secret for years and years and years in, in the fan base that, uh, Cordelia, that Charisma Carpenter had experienced abuse of various kinds, uh, in her time on the cast, uh, that she was ill-treated at best. Mm -hmm. And, um, as well as other stuff that came out, there were the, there were the stories of the, the stunt team, the stunt actors, uh, whose names I did not bring up and I had, don't have them off the top of my head, but, uh, they were in the first few seasons, I think of Buffy and, uh, they were both, uh, they met and got married while they were working on the show, but they were both terribly treated and talked about a little bit afterwards. Anyways, there have been plenty of stories over the years of Whedon's inappropriate behavior uh, on the set of Buffy and Angel, the sets of Buffy and Angel. And yesterday, Charisma Carpenter, uh, well, for years, Charisma has kind of walked that back a little bit. And she's in various like con appearances and interviews. She said, you know, oh, Joss and I worked this stuff out and I'd be happy to work with him again if I were given the opportunity. Um, and yesterday she <laughs> put out her real official final statement on the matter where she, she, told us, I don't want to read the whole thing, but she basically told us that, uh, she was horribly mistreated. Uh, she was, um, uh, emotionally abused. I mean, she, she was treated ex terribly, terribly by Joss specifically on the set and, and behind the scenes. And, um, basically the rumors that we had heard, uh, over the years turn out to have been even worse than what we thought. And she's not, uh, she's not, she has not worked things out with Joss and she apparently would not be happy to work with him in future projects. But anyways, this, uh, has opened up the floodgates and now, uh, many, unfortunately not all so far, but many of her, uh, co-stars and, uh, fellow Whedonverse actors have stepped up to support her and corroborate her stories and hint at other stories that have not been shared yet. So after several years of us thinking that uh, Joss Whedon's career was perhaps coming to an end, I think maybe we have finally reached that point. Um, anyways, this is all a, <laughs> this is all a horrible situation and very uncomfortable and very unpleasant. And it's causing a lot of cognitive dissonance amongst the fan base and, uh, Lots of stuff is going to change and possibly this podcast. 
And so I've invited uh, you two super smart women to come here and uh, educate all of us. We can just talk this out. Uh, it can be, a mo- I really wanted to be a couple beers into this conversation <laughs> by the time I pressed record, <laughs> but, uh, I've discovered, I discovered earlier that my fridge is, uh, sadly beerless. So. Well, uh, you're bad. <laughs> no, yeah. right now beer would be yeah. very good, but anyways, so, uh, ladies, what, uh, what has your experience of all of this been and, and where do we go from here? Okay. I'll let me start here and i think this is going to really just kind of be free form Mm -hmm. between all three of us i have no notes that's basically all i'm going to do too because when when all of this broke it was awful and then in the last 24 hours it just keeps getting awfuler you know um there's a lot there's a lot here to unpack including what happens to the Whedon Studies Association. Hmm. Do, you know, a, a group that is near and dear to my cold academic heart um, is really going to have to wrestle with this. And and what do we do? And it brings up so many questions about what do you do when your the stories and the tales and the art that you so love is created by someone who is completely not what he was presented to be. And I mean, it's an age old discussion. We we've seen it come up with, a, with, I mean, a artist going back to what Caravaggio, he killed a guy. <laughs> um, I mean, literally like a duel over a tennis court or something. Allegedly. But, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Okay, we're way past the statute of limitations <laughs> on the Renaissance. Um, but his artwork is still fantastic and beautiful and glorious. But its a, I hate to say it, but it's a lot easier to give somebody a pass when they're in the Renaissance. <laughs> when you have that much time in there. This is, this is going to be a struggle. And I, I want to say from the outset... That, I absolutely and totally believe what Charisma Carpenter is saying. I have no reason to doubt any of that. Um, and so now we now we have to deal with the fact that a guy who set himself up as being an enlightened feminist turns out to just be a wittier version of the construction worker catcalling. You know, and it's uncomfortable. Uh, he turns out to be way more of uh, a topher than I think any yeah. of us really wanted him to be. <laughs> um, a show which I am now more eager than I was previously to revisit, talking about Dollhouse. I wasn't a huge Dollhouse fan when it first aired, and I've I've only watched it once on original airing, and I've been a little reluctant to go back to it, but I think now uh, it's required for me to go back and revisit Dollhouse, but it, it it might be. It is not my favorite of his. It has some really, really strong episodes, but overall, and and trust me, we're bringing up Eliza Dushku in this conversation oh, at yeah. some point. Oh yeah, definitely. So, Nikki, what do you think? <sighs> I, uh, yeah, I have been through a roller coaster of emotions, 
in the last 24 hours. I, I still, more than 30 or 24, I guess, but I still haven't landed. And I think that I, I won't land for, for some time because it is just so hard. And, um, and I have wrestled with the guilt of how I've been thinking of how does this impact me instead of thinking, yeah. you know, of course I'm filled with compassion and as you said, Dale, uh, I, I believe I believe charisma because she has nothing to gain and everything to lose. Yep. And so that was my feeling when she did that and um, when she came out with this statement. My first thought was, and I posted as much on Facebook, you know, I'm done. I'm done with Joss Whedon. I'm done with his properties. I'm done, you know, I don't even know what to do anymore. I spent 23 years of a professional writing career talking about how great Joss Whedon is and what is that worth now? Is it, you know, I, I have books out there with my name on them that talk about how great he is and beyond as a creator of the show, like what a great guy. Um, but as the hours have ticked by, I have thought, I didn't know. So all I could go by were um, experiences of meeting him in person, where, of course, he, you know, came off as a, as a friendly, great dude, or talking uh, to the cast. And I interviewed a lot of, of Buffy and Angel people, and several of them, including women, said he was the best person they'd ever worked with. He was the most comfortable, like they, they felt so comfortable. One actress in particular said to me, if, uh, and I'm, I'm real, I don't know if I can even name names, but I mean, sh she was right on record. And yeah. it's in my, in my angel book saying, if every episode could have been directed by him, it would have been wonderful because I was never more comfortable with any other director. But, um, I have worked in work environments in my past where it was awful and I have felt really mistreated and uh, relegated to one side and where other people in that same company were not targeted, did not feel that way. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm expecting that some of these actors are being quiet because they don't know what to do right now. They're like, this was not my experience. And that does not mean that Charisma is not telling the truth right. because I experienced right. horrible things at companies that other people didn't experience sitting right there, sitting right next to me. So it depends. And I think in the end, I mean, yeah, I'm like, wow, my books are never gonna sell again. <laughs> That certainly crossed my mind. Please tell me Damon Lindelof is a good person. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm also, you know, I, I, there can be much discussion about the nuances of what Charisma said, what constitutes abuse. Um, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. It's caused her trauma. It's caused her serious trauma that she has now tried to get past. And the quickness of Amber Benson and Michelle Trachtenberg specifically to come on and say, yeah, you know, like me too. And, you and know, Sarah, I, Sarah has uh, yeah, spoken Sa up. Well, not quite say me too. Yeah. No, yeah. And, not and quite Sarah, as directly yeah. as the others, but Claire, Claire Kramer, who played glory in season five, she said the same thing. They were all 
she and Sarah both agreed. Michelle and Amber both acted like I have also felt some things. Now, they were not, by the way, saying we saw this and can corroborate right. because remember, they never actually were on the show at the same time as Charisma. She left at the end of season three. Tara doesn't come on till the end of season four and Dawn doesn't show up till season five. So they actually never worked together. They're saying independent of Charisma Carpenter, we will corroborate this. So that was really interesting to me. And then we've seen the one that, to be honest, worried me the most, Anthony Stewart had, <laughs> I was like, he was the dad he, so, and, you know, and he's devastated he so I, I wanted to I wanted to mention that his, so his statement uh, he was I don't know if he went on television he's specifically on the morning show in England yeah I, I, I think they surprised him with this although he must have seen it coming but anyways no, I don't he, think he, he actually knew about it he oh, said okay. he'd been up all night worried about this mm -hmm. yeah okay. mm -hmm. um, but I've seen so <laughs> I don't want to get too much into well I was I suppose we'll have to get into the fan reaction, the larger fan reaction, yeah. but yeah. I've seen some pushback on Anthony Stewart head saying, uh, just questioning how he could have been in a position, the position he was on that show and never have had any sense. I, <laughs> I've never had this experience. I'm a cishet white male. I've, I've never had to deal with anything like what's going on in these stories. Um, and to the best of my knowledge, I have never been on the periphery while it's been happening. I don't think I've ever been in a position to s witness it happening. Um, but I, <laughs> I don't like the assumption that just because Anthony Stewart head was on set that he could have witnessed any of this stuff. And I, th I think I, I had the same reaction of Nikki of old Giles, please. Right. Please don't yes. don't do this to me. But, <laughs> but I, I think it's important to keep in mind you're not talking about a, a a set that is like a black box theater that that's you know forty feet by by twenty feet. It, you know these sets are big, yeah. and you're not necessarily on set at the same at, at the same time. And quite frankly. Even if you look at this through the most generous lens possible, the behavior described by Charisma Carpenter is, at the, at the very least, let's put it in quote marks, unprofessional behavior. Yes. And 100%. she also explained that, you know, th this was taking place in one-on-one -on -one meetings behind closed doors. Right. I mean, abusers have a real tendency to be clever about not about being really careful about who sees what. Also, I yep. I suspect now James Marsters has previously come out and told stories of of like his own treatment by Joss on set, which was troubling. So, um, but of all the cast members of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the one that I would expect Jaws to have been the most careful around and the most, like, didn't want it to show up would be Anthony. Because mm -hmm. he was the, he was the elder statesman, whatever, on the show. He was the father figure on the set. So if Joss was going to be extra careful about concealing this from any of the cast members, I assume it would have been Anthony. Um, So yeah. I, I doesn't... 
just because Anthony says that he's horrified by this and he's and horrified to realize that he didn't know it was happening. Um, I don't know. I, I don't want to rush to conclusions and say, well, you were being willfully ignorant then, Anthony. Like I think, I mean, I, I, speaking as a parent, um, people can be bullying your child at school and you have no idea, mm-hmm. you know, if, and your child comes home and is hiding it and, you know, and things like that. You hear stories from other parents all the time of, you know, this systemic, uh, you know, emotional abuse was happening to my child for years and I didn't know kind of stuff, you know. And so, as Dale said, you know, he's pulling them in, he's pulling her in. And I mean, I guess to be fair, she was specifically referring to two or three things although she said it was ongoing sorry (laughs) and uh um and she also mentioned he had favorites right so i wonder if you know i'm not gonna i don't know charisma i've never as she's one that i haven't actually met and interestingly when i interviewed a lot of the cast members on angel her publicist was immediately a no absolutely not she won't talk to you and uh and that was the show had was over it was coming to its final episodes and so there was nothing more to to gain or lose about talking about the show and she would not talk so um i didn't take that to mean anything other than doesn't want to do an interview with you like i just i didn't see it as anything more than that um and (laughs) I just, I feel like I'm in such a loss for words and at the same time have so much to say, but, uh, but I feel that if there were people like Amy Acker leaves Angel, goes on to Dollhouse, then goes to Much Ado About Nothing, I would think she had a good relationship with him. She was one of the ones that was the favorite, perhaps. I'm speculating on that one, but I'm thinking mm-hmm. you didn't have much to gain by doing a black and white Shakespeare independent movie inside a guy's house. I mean, obviously right. you must right. have enjoyed working with him or you wouldn't have come back. Alexis Denisov continues to work with him, which means that Alison Hannigan probably had no problems or her husband would not continue to work with Josie. So I think there are different, and every Everyone's going to have their own experience. Charisma had a bad experience. And the one thing I keep thinking all day, and of course now I'm moving into the realm of speculation, is that Joss often said, Xander was my proxy on the the TV show. And Xander was turned down by a lot of girls and then later, you know, decided he was going to take revenge on pretty girls. And, you know, and I don't, there's part of me going, ah, I don't like these parallels that I'm seeing, but everyone watching now in the 21st century, as you know, all three of us now have experienced this now with younger people watching the show going, Sanders, such a jerk. And I didn't get that when I watched the show. Now I watch it. I'm like, Oh my God, he is, you know, but I wasn't picking that up. So I don't, I mean, there's just so many things. I mean, some of, some of this also, um, I, I look at the, I look at the timeline and I mean, you're talking about Whedon first started with Buffy back in the late 90s. Right. You're talking about 25 years ago. And it literally was a different world. Yeah. Things that nowadays we would just absolutely go nuts over at the time, 
I firmly believe um, were brushed aside. You know, well, he's he's a perfectionist. He he wants things done a certain way, and when things aren't done a certain way, because he cares so much about his art, he just loses his temper sometimes. I think that was almost built into our expectations of the series because he was coming from the film where he was like his script was horribly mistreated. We all have right. our own, we all have all our right. feelings about the original film, good or bad, but uh, I don't think we can deny that he felt at least like as a writer mistreated right. by that product, which is yeah. why he went on to do the TV series. So I think there might've been a certain amount of, um, of us expecting him to, well, yeah, he's, he really wants control of this now because he's been burned once. Um, but, you know, he's choosing to work in an art form that is incredibly collaborative. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's thank not... God the, thank God these shows are not, as, as much as we liked to believe for so long, these shows are not just Joss Whedon. <laughs> right, right. So. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you know, we'd heard, we'd, not even rumors, we'd heard whispers about, particularly about charisma. Mm-hmm. We had, we had heard whispers about that, but you know we all it always kind of circled back to. But she says that they've made up and that she'd work with him again, and that let me. I'm not going to speak for anybody else in in the fandom or in the academic world. That let me off the hook. Mm -hmm. It let me go. Well, okay, all right, it, okay, right. But I don't have to think about that. It's uncomfortable. I'm moving on. But, you know, it was always there. And then, okay, let's get our timeline right here. And then in 2017, I everything blows up with Kai Cole. Yeah. Yes, I think it's 2017. Yeah. November, 20, right? November 22nd, 2017. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Um, and, you know, that, because I remember in the, in the 2018 Slayage, that was a huge conversation point. Yes. Of what do we do about this? What do we but, do? But yeah. one thing that Wheaton has always been exceptionally good at is deflecting a little bit of gaslighting and then just shutting up. Yeah. Yeah. And that let him kind of go to ground and something big outside of Whedon always came along and that was the new shiny thing that got everybody's attention you know the, the the Harvey Weinstein story broke and we were all able to go oh wait that's that's way worse let's look at that right so the Kai Cole story breaks he goes really quiet um, because, of course, in the interim in here, he's made a billion and a half dollars for the studio with Avengers. Mm -hmm. Then did Ultron. Sad trombone sound. <laughs> a, a, film <laughs> I, a film I don't dislike as much as most people. Me and, either. But now I'm starting but... to not defend it. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> he owes me that much. He doesn't owe me much, but he owes me that much. Fair, fair. Um. So, you know, he, he always comes back with a, with a big project and 
it seems like all is forgiven because in I firmly do believe this is an industry where as long as you're making money for the studio, they're going to excuse just about anything. Yep. Totally unrelated happy news on that front came out uh, alongside all of this other terrible news that Cara Dune, Cara Dune that uh, Gina Carano, <laughs> that Disney fired Gina Carano off the wildly successful Mandalorian uh-huh. <laughs> series. Uh, for her behavior. So sometimes, I mean, we could be cynical about the, the evil empire that is Disney and why it took them so long or, or whatever. But regardless, but sometimes it, the it, light does shine through. But again, 20 years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Right. 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 I really believe that it wouldn't have been the case. And then, of course, you know, we, we hear about the Justice League with Ray Fisher. Mm-hmm. And... I think an awful lot of folks didn't quite know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. And then he steps away from the nevers out of, oh, did, if I'm not mistaken, they used the ultimate Hollywood excuse of exhaustion. Yeah. 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 You got it. Um, and now, and now this. So, it, I mean, he's a liability at this point. I don't know that he comes back from it. I don't know that he should come back from it. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I can't picture what he's going to try to do to come back. Like, I, part of me, because I've been so invested in this man and his products for so long, can't imagine a world where he doesn't try to continue doing something creative. But then there's another part of me that's like, he's just going to keep his head down for several years, at least at this point. Like, I, I feel like he's got to see the writing on the walls right now. And you're right. At this point, I feel like studios are finally willing to say, yeah, I don't. Hmm. We could have Zack Snyder. Not a great choice as a as a writer director. Or we could have Joss Whedon. Hmm. No longer a great choice. <laughs> like, I don't know. I. I I think it's much more likely that he uh, will not be as welcome to like brush the dirt off his shoulders at this point. I mean, and let's not, let's not waste tears here. He's he and his children are not going to miss a meal. No, no, not at all. (laughs) You know, they're, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Right. On as far as that goes. I mean, I I don't think he's going to be, you know, on, on the side of the highway holding a sign that says, we'll script doctor for food. <laughs> oh, man. Um, and honestly, I, I think he'll get work as a script doctor. Yeah. I think he'll, I, I, I do. I think he'll, he'll go back to that and he won't get a credit, but he'll get a paycheck. He'll be fine. Yeah, right. no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not worried about <laughs> like uh, his livelihood or anything like that. And, I just want to make it clear what has it because I've spent some time thinking about this and I want I'd love to hear y'all's opinions on this, too. I think what has me feeling so betrayed and I know in some ways that's not fair. I've never met the man. He doesn't owe me anything. I owe him a great deal. I mean, my academic career started with Whedon and I've written literally tens of thousands of words about this man and his work in part 
because of this care, what we now know is this carefully crafted image that wasn't true, that we all bought into of, of him being this enlightened feminist who took up for women, who used his platform and his privilege to talk about, uh, talk out against torture porn and talk out against honor killings. And he did create some great work. The body is still one of the best things ever to hit television. I don't know how you separate that. I don't know that you can. I don't know that you should. Uh, What I do know is that somewhere in that rambling mansion of his is a large portrait in a gold leaf frame that's becoming more and more enlightened and feminist. (laughs) With every new accusation that comes out. So I I do, I, I, I think... We feel betrayed. I think I feel betrayed because of because of that. I bought in not just to his art, but to who he presented as being. I mean, Roman Polanski, and I'm not comparing a man who drugs and rapes a 13-year-old to Whedon. Right. But Polanski never made bones about, you know, being such a great guy. And Whedon really has. And it turns out to be just a tissue of lies. And that's going to be hard for a lot of us to swallow. Well, I want to, can we talk a little bit about, um, <laughs> about what we do with uh, his body of work at this point? And I'm, I'm specifically, I'm not actually talking about his pop culture stuff now. I'm thinking of things like Equality Now and, mm-hmm. and... I, none of the others are coming to mind off the top of my head, but he, he has done an awful lot of this work. And while I tend to think I like to imagine that the human psyche is complex and nuanced and uh, often contradictory. And so I choose to believe that at least some of the stuff that he paid lip service, he felt some sort of like real investment in, um, but regardless of what the man was like in private and behind the scenes on set, he's created stuff, not only the shows, not only the pop culture that is entertained and inspired and educated and all that, but uh, his his work with Equality Now and that stuff and, and speaking out against torture porn and like that stuff, that's real stuff that has bettered people's lives and... I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm, I'm, I struggle with this so much. I I've spent many, many years of my pathetic life, uh, struggling with the notion of separating the art from the artist in many instances. I'm a huge growing up. I was a huge HP Lovecraft fan and I, I still say I'm an HP Lovecraft fan, meaning I'm a fan of the bodies of work of HP Lovecraft, mm-hmm. not of who that man was. Um, but this, this whole thing right now is the most that I've felt this internal struggle with, like literally yeah. like, where do we go from here? Cause he, yeah. there's great stuff that has come out of uh, this man and what he's done. But as someone who has been desperate to 
get his podcast to the point where he can finally start talking about Angel. And Angel is where the Charisma Carpenter stuff starts to get a little real on camera. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in a quandary. <laughs> I don't know what to do or how to feel. Well, the one thing I've been thinking is we as Generation Xers have had a lot of practice. <laughs> so in the 80s, uh, my other father was Cliff Huxtable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, well, and when I wasn't in love with The Cosby Show and watched every single episode, and also Fat Albert, by the way, and yes. also my dad raised me on his vinyl comedy album. Yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I wasn't watching The Cosby Show, I listened to Thriller so many times, I had to get another copy of the vinyl because it was run out. Then I got it on, on cassette. Then I got it on CD. I loved Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson. Yeah. And then the 90s came along, mm -hmm. and I believed Kevin Spacey was the greatest actor <laughs> that movies had ever seen. And I watched every Miramax film that came out and thought yep. Harvey Weinstein was a genius. And everything has been taken away from me. <laughs> and Pulp Fiction, best movie ever, but it was directed by someone who now it comes out, oh, well, he abused you know, his actresses and was really awful. And it's just like, okay. So after Bill Cosby was convicted, and I have zero doubt in my mind that that was warranted, I put on um, To Russell, The Brother Whom I Slept With, which if you have ever heard it, is one of the most remarkable comedy sketches ever. And it was just as hilarious as it was when I listened to it as a little kid. It was so funny, and I was thinking to myself, don't laugh. This isn't funny. This is, you know, what he's done. And I couldn't help it. Do I still hear Billy Jean and go, this is absolute genius? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do I watch The Usual Suspects and think that is one of the greatest performances you ever? Absolutely. Yeah. And do I think every Miramax film in the 90s was mwah? <laughs> yes, I do. But unfortunately, there were difficult people involved in each one. Right. And all those people that I have just talked about, Joss Whedon doesn't come close to what they did, you know, and, and yet Buffy was that one diamond that was never going to be harmed. It stood for everything we believed in coming into the 21st century. And it just was amazing. And it has been hard for me as the show gets older and as the audience that comes to it for the first time gets younger and they begin pointing out all the flaws in it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but, you know, and I'm trying to find that. And now there's this. And while I, you know, as I said earlier, what the men that I was just talking about, that was rape and abuse and awfulness. What Joss is being accused of is more bullying and being kind of a nasty boss but he was also dealing with a young and vulnerable cast. And you can't tell me, since my husband and I right now are binging the West Wing, that Aaron Sorkin was a really sweet dude on set. I'm sure he was yelling and screaming every single day, pulling them into his office, but these were adults. Right. And they could deal with things on a level that these younger people couldn't. Is Joss Whedon a terrible, awful person that should be canceled and can't come back from this? I actually don't think so. 
but he was put in charge of a young cast and he had a responsibility and it fell apart. And for that, I am really upset to find out that these young people are now in their 40s and 30s and are still traumatized. Yeah. That is means it went beyond. But the thing is, if you've been if you were ever bullied in high school, it carries right into so bullying is serious. And if it is done, you know, uh, Dale used the perfect word when she said, at the very least, we can say unprofessional. And yeah. that is pretty serious when you are in a profession, you know. And so this is what I've been sort of grappling with all day. Is it possible to have written Buffy and Angel and not have any decency in you? I feel like there has got to be compassion and care. But... As Dale said, he clams up. Yeah. And if he clammed up after Kai Cole, he clammed up after Ray Fisher. If he clams up again, there's no atonement. And we've got to have you come out and talk to us, show some remorse, explain that you made some mistakes. I don't know, but you've got to begin the conversation. If you go and hide, it's not going to help anything. I'm giving you... Uh, the only reason this is a virtual standing ovation is because I'm too lazy to get out of this chair. But I'm giving, <laughs> I am giving you a standing ovation right now, Nikki. That was I loved every word of what you just said. I'm saying all that with so much trepidation because I mean we also live in a society where there's no, there's nothing between I 100% stand behind the victim and complete victim shaming, and I. I 100% stand behind charisma and I'm not trying to downplay at anything. Uh, and it's the trauma that she still lives with that really hurts, you yeah. know, and that is serious. That's really serious. I just, there's got to be a way forward. And it's funny, my, my daughter is taking high school philosophy for the very first time and all of a sudden the kid's talking about existentialism and, <laughs> and mom do you think there's any such thing as true you know <laughs> true selflessness like and I'm like oh god you know but anyway and then she just did a project on can you separate the art from the artist and you know and she had to do a debate and and she had to take the side of no, you can't. They are one in the side. And she said to me, I'm not sure I believe that, but this is what I've got to argue. Yeah. And so yeah. it was really interesting listening to her run through ideas. And then this happened a week and a half later, you know? And so, oh. Well, and I think you, I think you can separate the, the art from the artist. Yeah. I, again, I think it's a lot easier if you have a span of 500 years. Exactly. That's if, if you have, it. you know, it's a lot easier to do that with dead artists. He's still living. He's still working there. You know, and there's our issues. I, I totally agree with what Nikki's saying. I, I think he can come back from this. I, I really want to see him have some actual honest to God remorse. Yes. And realizing that what he did caused pain. Yes. Real and, pain. And that he has to own that. But, and, and honestly, as far as the, the body of work goes, I'm, I don't think that just gets thrown out because Joss turns out to be an asshole. <laughs> I, right. I don't. 
I, I think there is still value in it. I think there's going to be some value in looking at it through a new lens for one thing and going, yeah, how much of this did he mean versus how much of it did he maybe say? And the, the, the other aspect of this that I think is worthy of discussion with the members of the WSA is, you know, what, what do we do? I th for one thing, I'm not too sure the name's going to make it. Right. Um, no. I will say this, and this is, this is crude and crass and only because it's also funny. Will I, will I say this? <laughs> but for the longest time, when I got an email from the Whedon Studies Association, you know how it'll truncate? Mm -hmm. So help me God, it came up as Whedon Studies ass. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should have known a long time ago. It was right there in front of us <laughs> all the time. Evidence was right in front of you. Um, but, you, you know, I, I think I was telling Paul this uh, maybe a week ago. The, the paper I was planning on, on putting together for Slayage for the next Whedon conference wasn't actually going to be about Whedon at all. It was going to be about forgiveness in Bad Times at the El Royale, which is Drew Goddard. Right. I so, absolutely, you know, I absolutely have, want to read that or hear that, Dale. Yeah. As soon as I write it. Um, <laughs> right now it's all in, in the head, but... You know, the WSA really has expanded out. We're, we're right. looking at the legacy, the, the legacy. Yeah. And I think we I think there definitely is a place for that. I think there that definitely can be can be continued. Right. But I honestly, I. I think we have to rebrand. Absolutely. Can I step back just a little bit and then we can transition into the rebranding notion, which I think the. Like you said, it's a big question for the Weed and Studies Association, which stumped us in 2000. I say us just because I was there. I didn't have anything to do with it. But it was a stumbling block in 2018 when this thing happened before. But uh, to transition us into that discussion, uh, Dale, you were talking about uh, how the text needs to be reexamined. Like, his work doesn't go away and we shouldn't stop watching it and reviewing it, but maybe we should look at it through a fresh lens. Um, and this also ties into something you were talking about, uh, Nikki, about how you know, people, what we didn't find in the nineties to be questionable or iffy or like what the hell's wrong with Xander. Um, now a lot of people are coming to it. And when we revisit it, as I have just done, as we have all just done for this podcast, revisited the entire run of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where Xander Harris was the whipping dog in many episodes. Um, I, you know, I expressed some of my questions and struggles and, and moral conundrums and stuff as we were discussing that series. Yeah. And... I wasn't anticipating that I was going to have to do the same thing in Angel because as so many people put Buffy up on a pedestal, I put Angel the series up on a pedestal. And now we've had this, this moment of reckoning, which probably should have come earlier, but it's come now. It's hit now. And so now I'm looking back at my most recent rewatch of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and wondering how many of the things that I had issues with Biggest example is Xander, but also just character storylines that 
you know, went to places I wasn't happy with or whatever. Like how much of that stuff was a hidden code speaks to who Joss was at the time that we didn't really recognize this hits. And now I'm terrified to look forward at angel. I'm so pissed off right now (laughs) that we've finally gotten to angel and I'm, and I will not be able to continue this podcast without every discussion about angel is going to have to feature this. We're going to have to address this, especially as it relates to Cordelia and where her story goes. Um, I, I wonder, like, even at the time when Angel was airing and all this terrible stuff eventually goes down with Cordelia, there were a lot of fans that recognized that in the moment that they were like, oh, this is, this is, yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I hated season four. I was so mad. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> that were like, oh, this is not storytelling. This is retribution against an actress. This is char- This is literal character assassination. Yeah. That yeah. outfit he put her in? Come on. <laughs> Well, and and I was going to say, Nikki, I was going to say when you said that you were trying to get an interview with Cordelia, with Charisma, um, that it was as the series was wrapping up and everything. And I wonder if like her state of mind at that point, apparently she came back for episode 100. You're welcome. On the condition that her, oh, by the way, I should have said at the top of the show, even though we're not reviewing episodes, there are spoilers here. (laughs) Spoiler, Joss turns out to be a jerk. (laughs) Exactly. Angels and a vampire. Right. Um, So. Ben is glory. Wait, what? What? Wait, glory's Ben? What? That that joke never gets old. Um, Never. Anyways, that she agreed to come back for episode 100 uh, on the condition that her character wouldn't get killed off. And then her character was killed off. And then he did it. I know. So I just wonder if like her state of mind at the time was fuck this. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want it like, no, I'm not going to talk to you about Angel because I'm super pissed right now. But anyways, I, I where I'm going with this, I, I don't want to make this about me, but I am frustrated <laughs> that I'm about to get into the show that I've waited so long to talk about. And now I'm going to, I have to is, view it through it, a different lens. It, but it is about you and it is about Nikki and it is about me. This feels personal. Yes. It yes. it really does. I mean, I have speaking for myself, I have invested I'm trying to think of a way that doesn't involve profanity <laughs> well, to get I across just... the sheer amount of time and energy that I have put into these works. And let's be honest, that's a finite resource. That's time and energy that I didn't put into other things. Right. Yes. You know, and I think we're allowed to, and I get it, to to some people this is going to sound like a really frivolous thing to be upset about, and okay, fine, you know, they have their things, I have my things. This actually hurts. It does hurt. I actually cried. I cried. Why am I crying about news that doesn't involve me, but that is what I did yesterday. I was so sad. Sad. That is the only word I can come up with. It was just my heart hurt. Like that I can take Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson, all that stuff, because that was a long time ago. But this is carried into adulthood, shaped 
who I am to this day. I mean, I wrote five books on Lost. Someone says, what's your favorite show? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You know, it, it's, 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 and I say, it always will be. I usually follow with that. Now what do I do? Go, I don't have a favorite show. <laughs> I don't know. Or do I say Buffy the Vampire Slayer? You know, do I say Lost? I don't know, but I mean, I'm just. And how I, does that conversation I, change now? But. Right. Oh, really? Well, the thing is, this is the one thing my husband said. <laughs> he is, leans more to conservative, even though he, he's because of me. He's in the middle because I lean way not to conservative. And uh, so but I, I, I understand that perspective because I've got it yammering beside me all the time. <laughs> yes, I made a puppet hand. <laughs> and uh, but um, but he said, you know, these progressives as he puts it on twitter you know when someone gets canceled five percent of the population knows they got canceled and the other 95 doesn't even know anything went wrong so that's the one thing he says he says you do know that it's it's the super you know adulatory fandom right now that is is all upset and most buffy viewers haven't a clue and they just clicked on the next episode tonight and didn't know anything so i don't know so, I mean, it, that's true. It's good right. to remember that the social media stuff that we consume is an echo chamber. Um, it, yeah. Often it a very, often a very, yeah. very yeah. curated. Um. Yeah. But, it, but it, I also, it, I, I do. I'm like Nikki. I know how I feel about this. Exactly. And you know, I look when when Bob Dylan inevitably shuffles off this mortal coil. It's never going to happen. My husband is probably going to put on sackcloth and ashes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, probably a black armband. And, I mean, he's a big guy. That's going to be a lot of sackcloth that I have to find. <laughs> and that's, that's, I, I don't mean that's fine, but people have their passions. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, this is one of mine. Yeah. I don't think, I, I truly don't think, that there's any reason that Nikki doesn't continue to say Buffy the Vampire Slayer, although she's probably going to add, and I'll fight you over it. <laughs> um, you know, it's almost like you put an asterisk by it or something. That's right. Separating but, the art and the artist, yeah. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I just keep being reminded, and I want to give credit to David Kosiemba, although that might not be accurate. Trust, I think he was the first one who posted Trust the Tale, not the teller of the tale. I did see him say that, yes. And, you know, the, the tales still have value. Yes. They have tremendous value. He still gave us Frey. He still gave us this marvelous, rich, layered playground. Yeah. Fire, and Firefly. We haven't even mentioned Firefly. We, and we haven't even mentioned Firefly. But at the same time... Going along with trust the tale, not the teller, the communities that we are are part of, that quite frankly, that we helped create and that we have benefited from so much, those are real. Yes. Whether or not Whedon turns out to be, and it looks, you know, he has, whether or not it turns out that Whedon certainly has... I, I don't know. Let's get biblical and say feet of clay. Ooh, a little Daniel <laughs> reference there. Um, hey, I wrote faith and choice. You, I, I was gonna. I was gonna say you. I've got it's your book right. I've got your book right here. It says it's faith and choice. Damn it! 
Um, you know, the, the community, the fandom, the good things that that fandom has done, mm -hmm. the charity work that has been done, Equality Now, Can't Stop the Serenity, all that stuff is real. And, okay, to bring in Firefly, you can't take that sky away from me. Yeah. That's mine. Yeah. So we do need to reexamine how we're going to look at things. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the trope that Whedon loved so much of the damaged girl, mm. I think after this really gets looked at. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's let's move into the rebranding <laughs> chapter of this discussion. Um, the new WSA. Well, I, I'll we'll start just all oh so briefly on this stupid podcast that I'm doing. <laughs> and what what do I do with this podcast or how do I market this podcast or whatever in as much as I market any of the crap that I do um, and then we'll move into the much larger and more important question of what does the WSA do so originally when this podcast when I started this podcast it was um, a Buffy and Angel podcast and it still says that but in my introduction I now call it I realized that that was limiting and I wanted to eventually get to Firefly and, and Dollhouse probably and maybe the Avengers films so I've I've redubbed it a postmortem podcast on the works of Joss Whedon. That's right there in the, the first three seconds of the intro. Um, I, I, I mean, that's technically still accurate. Mm -hmm. It is a postmortem podcast about the works of Joss Whedon. Actually, the postmortem part might never have been more accurate. Uh, <laughs> right. But, right. but I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if I feel comfortable even it's a, it's, it, at times it feels like a ridiculous overreaction to say, I don't even know if I want to put his name in the intro right now. On the other hand, we're going to talk about the Whedon studies association where perhaps it shouldn't be the Whedon studies. Maybe the name, maybe the WSA needs to rebrand themselves as separating art from the artist. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe that's the new name of the WSA. I don't know, but uh, what are your guys thoughts? What are your guys thoughts on, on any of this? As far as your as far as the podcast goes, again, I, I I think not that you're you're talking about doing this, but I think pulling the plug is the wrong thing to do personally. Um, I did lose some sleep last night with that thought. Trust in my the head. tale, not the teller. Yeah, the, the stories are you know our our lives are stories. It's yeah. all about the narrative. So, yeah, I, I think it's and yeah, I think everybody takes a, a little while to kind of take a deep breath and to regroup and to and to process some of this. Mm -hmm. um, because we can we can no longer. We can no longer put our energy into pretending that we don't know what we know. Right, right, right. Just can't do that. But you have to process it and then figure out where you want to go from there. And honestly, you know, the, the podcast is a good thing. The stories are good things and reexamining them is, you know, a good thing. The discussion is a great thing. And especially the reexamination, as Dale says, to take something from 1997 and discuss it in 2021, I think is actually really important to do something like that. Um, 
I mean, one option that immediately jumped into my head as you were saying of the works of Joss Whedon, if you want to remove his name, Joss Whedon was the man at the center of the creation, but the entire collaboration was Mutant Enemy. Right. And you could say the works of Mutant Enemy, and that would pull in everyone else. That Un I don't think that would count the Avengers. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you wouldn't be able to do that. But, uh, but I mean... The thing is, the people from Mutant Enemy then went off and were doing Mutant So it would still work. It'll work. But it'll allow you to remove the name. And yet, Joss Whedon is still part of Mutant Enemy. We're not taking a family photo and cutting his head out of it. We're not going to do right. that. We're not. We Some people might. Keep but... him yeah. in there and go, Joss. You know, yeah. and yeah. Mike might have done that. <laughs> Well, 100%. I think he's cut out of all the photos right now. But but yeah, I mean, he's still part of it. He's he's at the center of it. Um, but all of these people, like, you, you know, we haven't heard from this particular thing anything from Marty Noxon or Jane Espenson, you know, and, and people like that, who would have worked very closely with him. These were women, adult women, uh, who were sitting at the writer's table day and night and probably arguing and, you know, all that. Well, how was he treating that process? That's what I would like to know. What was he doing? Um, you know, because clearly he had a beef with some of his actors and it's coming out. What was the writing room like? You yeah. know, I and because I think there then you could find out if this was just something where he had that. You know, it's by, I was having this discussion today. We can all name someone in our lives that hates us, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't want anything to do with us, yeah. you know, like this. And we also know people who would get in front of a bus for us. And yet we're the same person, right? And yet we've given a different impression to different people. And Joss Whedon, I assume, has given a different impression he, people have different experiences of the same person. And also, it's what he gives off. I have a feeling he was never giving off a good vibe to Charisma Carpenter. Right. You know, she comes on, on the set. She was a professional cheerleader. Was he rolling his eyes, you know, and, oh, you know, like that. And, and she surprised everyone by being really good at what she did. I don't know. Was he undermining her in, in some way? But he's still at the center of it. And it, to, to, to say, I want to take his name off, I think that is a valid thought right now. But to, to replace it with something where he's still at the center of it, I think is also valid because he's so part of this. And it's, it's his creativity and, and mind that's going into this. And we are so grateful for them. Okay. I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> I... I... You've given me a lot to think about, and we'll think more about it as we move into the WSA. I do want to give Dale an opportunity here, since you... I don't think we've talked about uh, um, Eliza Dishko. And, oh. and Dale, you promised we were going to talk about Eliza Dishko. I was talking to someone about her the other day, too, yeah. yeah. So what, what so, do we need to talk about here? So one of the big things there, she's also someone who hasn't come out and said anything. Right. Yeah, to be fair, in yeah. the in the hour and fifteen minutes we've been talking, who knows how much else has dropped? Well, that's true too. That's that's true. Oh, no, they've stormed the Capitol building again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But let's keep in mind, you know, Dushku is another who, um, 
she had a producer credit with Dollhouse. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be, she very well may have some tales on that one. Right. But keep in mind, Dushku has told stories of her time on the set of True Lies. Exactly. When she was a child. Yep. Vicky, what the... was she, 12? 12, She was 11 yeah. or 12, yeah. And, and, and then she did that other TV show more recently. And then she did Bull. Bull. Yeah. I, was, I couldn't yeah. remember the name of it the other day. Bull, and yeah. The behavior on that set was so bad. I mean, the the settlement was her salary if she had been on it for four years. Right. For four seasons. And, I mean, it was a $9.5 million settlement. Yeah. And, And, yeah. you know, you are talking about an industry in which this kind of behavior for a long time was just considered the cost of doing business. And it's really only been in the last handful of years that the, the, the curtain got ripped back and we, we, we saw the nasty human cost of it. Yeah. And I, I'm always reminded of, you know, we're hearing these stories from the women who somehow or another stuck it out. Yeah. Who knows how many fantastic, marvelously talented actors, actresses, writers, directors, you know, went back to Lizard Lick, North Carolina. I love and, that town. And, and there actually is a Lizard Lick, North Carolina. Oh, my God. I, I love that so much. <laughs> There's also a cat square. That's a fun one. Um <laughs> Anyway, anyway, who knows how many of those people just, you know, gave it up, went home, and we we never got those stories. Yeah. We never got the the art that they could have created. You know, so, this is not just certain people, quote, behaving badly. This is, honestly, it's criminal. Yeah. It's absolutely criminal. I, d- I don't know if this is a point you were trying to make, but let me just ask, um, since Eliza Dishku has, uh, come forward in the past about, you know, men behaving badly, the fact that she hasn't yet about Joss, are we, yeah. are we assuming that, that sh- that wasn't her experience with Joss? Is that what we're well, that's something I was wondering yesterday, I actually said, you know, the thing is, is that Eliza Dushku, you know, found the courage to come forward with the Me Too, you know, when the Me Too movement first came out and talked about true lies. And then she, you know, put her money where her mouth was and went after the the people on Bull and really fought hard. She has been public and yet has never said a word against Joss. You think she, there was her opportunity you know, and so I wonder if she's one of the ones who simply did not experience that side of things. Yeah. And uh, which, again, is ans- goes a long way to answering the question of why did Charisma wait so long? Because she felt like maybe she was the only one, yeah. you know, and she was scared no one was going to back her up on this. one. So I, d- I don't want to derail us further from getting to the Whedon Studies stuff. But oh, right. did you see the... Um... 
Michelle Trachtenberg has updated her comments. Did you see this today? So previously, um, previously, I saw some little comments underneath that she was making, but yeah, she responded to Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes. Uh, who in, in to be criminally brief about it, Sarah Michelle Geller said, I'm very proud to be associated with Buffy Summers. I'm not, I'm not so cool being associated for the rest of my Joss life with Joss Whedon. Yeah. Uh, so Michelle Trachtenberg basically uh, posted a couple of uh, oddly written, <laughs> bro like broken sentence responses yeah. of basically saying, you know, I'm very proud of you. You're my inspiration for, for speaking this. And we all know it's true and blah, blah. Well, today she's added a little something to the end of that. I don't know how long ago this was, but she... Um, uh, she says, uh, with his not appropriate behavior, very not appropriate. So now people know what Joss did. The last comment I will make on this was, I'm, it's so hard to read because it's, there are weird punctuations yeah. throughout this. Well, it's hard to read. Uh, was there was a rule saying he's not allowed in a room alone with Michelle again. Oh, I did not see that. Oh, I didn't see that. So I don't know what that means. And... I, I have not seen anything that's come after that, so I don't know where that's led, but I just wow. thought that was an interesting addendum that she put on there. I wonder if it's problematic to to say, I'm only going to make a suggestion and allow your imaginations to run wild rather than just come out and say, what was it? What, what, like, what? And, yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know, because our imaginations are going to come up with far worse. And it could have been that he yelled Probably. at her room and her mom said, you're not going to be in a room with my daughter anymore. And that was that. Or yes. it could have been much worse. That's very like, true. I don't know, because now we're going to think terrible things. And it's uh, a valid point. I almost wish I, I hadn't think, brought it up now. <laughs> I, but I think that she is. She wants to talk like yeah. clearly she wants to talk. And I think that she really, I wonder if, you know, she will talk more. Uh, I don't know. Um, it's so hard. I, I, I love seeing the women banding together. I will mm -hmm. say that. I, I like that Charisma did not end up alone. Like within the hour, there were so, people going, you're not alone. And, and I, I want to point out, it's not just the women. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh Sorry. J James C. Leary. James C. Leary. Thank you, Clem. Yes. Clem. Yeah. Um, he, he has come out fully in support. Jeff Marriott. Marriott. I've got that quote here. Yeah. Has, has come out fully in support. Um, so again, I don't think we. St we Stephen DeKnight. Stephen DeKnight. Stephen DeKnight. Oh. No, I didn't see that. Well, it, so I'll read you his because it's pretty short. Um. Uh, I did not see Stephen. He Ray. says, I adore Charisma and Amber and all of the cast and crew of Buffy and Angel, but I can't really speak towards the specifics that I was not privy to or unaware of. That said, everyone deserves a voice and deserves to be heard. That is and must always be the case. So that's that was his statement. So that see that in that way he's not right, you know, coming down on Joss Whedon, uh, but he's showing his support. And I think if you are in that difficult position of not having experienced it, but you also want to say to Charisma, you know, we love you and support you and show compassion. That was exactly the way to do it. And you know, I feel like in his own way, that was what Tony Head was trying to do. You know, when he basically said, 
I haven't slept. I should have seen that he was blaming himself. He's like, how was this going on? And I was, I should have protected them. And, and so he's there, uh, you know, taking a, a whip to his own back, but at the same time saying, I support charisma, but I also did not see it happen. So he's also being careful not to say, yeah, he's a sleazeball. You know, like he, he's not right. doing anything like that. He doesn't have to. Right. That's not his to say. That's right. her thing to say. And she said it, and they're allowing her voice to stand there. And I really appreciate that. Wow, I hadn't seen the tonight one. So I have to I have to say one of the most powerful bits of and it, it really kind of solidified my admiration for Whedon all those years ago was the Equality Now speech. Uh And if you will recall, in that speech, he's introduced to the audience by Meryl Streep. And I'm just wondering if Meryl Streep has started like prank calling Whedon. (laughs) And in my head, I kind of need that to happen right now. Because, you know, she could be calling up with all these different accents. I was going to say she could do any voice, you know? Is your refrigerator running? (laughs) Meryl Streep's Streep's Oscar will be for prank calling Joss (laughs) Whedon. Okay, let's talk about the Whedon studies. Okay, let's talk about them. I've resisted this for so long. So... You guys are actually members. Well, I mean, I guess technically I'm a member. But you guys are actually real Weed and Studies associates. So uh, take this and run. Like, th- this is a subject that, as we s- said, came up at the last Age conference in 2018 in response to the Kai Cole uh, editorial, now, and was difficult to talk about then. Yeah, but we but we had the conversation, you know, yes, and, we, yes, and but, it was a continuing conversation. But I. Again, I wasn't privy to all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you guys probably were, but sitting there in the room while those discussions were happening and going around, it I remember thinking, I don't, I have no idea what you do with this. I, I couldn't imagine a way to rebrand. If you want to keep the field of study, but name it something else, like, I don't know. I, I've, it felt insurmountable to me at the time, and I can't say that I feel any <laughs> more at ease about it now. So Right, and... Back in 2018, with the with where we were wrestling really with what Kai Cole had said, and we all believed it. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no. I do not recall anyone doubting it. I'll mm-hmm. put it that way. Um. I th- speaking again, just from my own experience, my thinking there was, well, damn it. Yeah. Okay, he's a lousy husband. Right. But, and then kind of moving beyond it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was my error. I shouldn't have done that. But, you know, I, I wanted to have my hero. Right. I, right. I, re- I really did. And that's it. It's a very childish way of looking at things. I wanted to have my hero as opposed to having the truth. Well, that's a very human way. But it's a very things. human. Well, children are human, despite what well, some people seem to think. Most of them. <laughs> most of them. Well, there was that demon kid. Yeah. Um, but, but honestly, I, I, I think we wanted, I, again, I'm not going to talk for other people. I, I really wanted to believe what I wanted to believe. But at this point, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, 
I, I keep just coming back to the idea, though, of the people that I've met through the WSA and the, the people I've met through fandoms in part through the WSA. I mean, these are wonderful, warm, creative people. And the planet is better for them knowing each other. And if Whedon is the thing that brought them together, that's a good thing. I, I don't think, as much as I understand the initial knee-jerk reaction of, well, let's just close up shop and go home, I don't think that's the thing to do. Which, to be fair, that is a, that is a point of discussion, I believe, that's happening, right? Um, I am way outside those discussions, but I feel confident right. in yeah. this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, feel, sure. I feel like that option came up at Slayage. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess my, I, I guess my next question would be, how do you, with the obvious caveat that some of these conversations perhaps need to get a little more difficult or need to get a little uh, more existential. I don't know. Do you guys think that the WSA, however it's branded, uh, should continue as is or see here's where i struggle i don't know how you sort of broaden the wsa's field without diluting it into base i don't want to roll my eyes at other pop culture conferences but how do you maintain your focus and not just become another like broad spectrum pop culture conference. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think that has definitely, I, I like Dale. I mean, we're, we're both members, but we're not on the board. So, you know, we're not yeah. in, in privy to, to what is going on. And I think that they have had some, I, I'm going to assume they've had some really difficult discussions uh, for several months, not just the past few weeks or a few days. I mean, um, you know, there was certainly a question in the summer, not a question, but definite that uh, the, the Whedon Studies Association was not showing enough diversity and, and that we've got to find ways to pull in um, people of all backgrounds and not just a bunch of white people talking about the white guy who did this very <laughs> white show. And so the question there was, well, then what do we do? Do we continue to talk about this cisgendered white heterosexual man who is now kind of problematic and has a lot of white characters that really very few of them are in the LGBTQ community and when they are, they're a little bit problematic. And, you know, like, how do we do that? How do we branch out? Because there is this reluctance to just say, well, that's it, we're, we're done, you know? and. Um, but where do we go? Do we just call it quality television studies? I mean, that's just <laughs> pop culture association, right? So, yeah. or yeah. a huge arm of the pop culture association. And um, how how do we do that? How do we pull in um, more academics who are people of color, who are from different uh, countries and backgrounds and languages? And you know, how do we get this more diverse when the subject matter we are we are talking about isn't representative? representative of that. So I think there have been a lot of problems over there and now we've got this. And, you know, as Dale said, when the Kai Cole letter came out, I mean, that was just, 
a punch in the gut to everyone. And I remember it was very different than Charisma's. It, It really was because like Dale, I read it and went, okay, he's a shitty husband, (laughs) you know? And that was what I basically landed on. I'm not married to him. Don't give a a crap what kind of husband he is. I still love Buffy because he created that. There are a lot of crappy husbands and wives in Hollywood. It doesn't change, you know, what they put out. And sure, she had some other allegations in there, but then they weren't corroborated by anyone. And this was a wife who was very angry, you know, at what he had done. And yeah. we all have, you know, you end a relationship and you want revenge, <laughs> you know? Right. So so there was always that question of what was going on. Then the Ray Fisher, you know, thing happened. And now people perked up just a little bit more like, well, but then it came out that he had come in to fix the script and kind of cut his character's lines in half. And so now... Fisher was angry and you know and so again it comes back as retribution then charisma comes along and there was no retribution there's nothing to gain from this there was no revenge because it happened a million years ago it felt different and yes there is guilt now why didn't we listen to Ray Fisher more you know maybe Kai was touching on something but at the same time I'm also not going to jump to cancel somebody when I don't, when all I have is one person saying this, I I do believe in trying to treat people fairly. And so that is why I think as academics who are trained in critical thinking, everyone was like, well, where are the sources? Where's the evidence? You know, show me that you give it to me and I'll be right there. I'll be right there with you. And for me, charisma is the source. She's the one that kind of waiting for. I never realized (laughs) <laughs> never realized why I'm so attracted to the Whedon Studies Association, even though I am not an academic. I live for the idea of where, the, like, what are the sources? What, like, uh, that is my modus operandi. Yeah. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. All right. Now, for for me, I because I, I actually have spent again the last thirty six hours have been. Um, not a roller coaster as much as like a tilt a whirl. You yeah. know, you you just keep yeah. getting thrown out and thrown back and then thrown to the side. I was going to call it a slow motion bungee jump, but sure. And possibly a tilt a whirl put together by <laughs> a stereotypical carny. Um, but for for me. I don't know. I I don't. While I do agree that the WSA has some real problems with diversity, I don't think that is. I, I certainly don't think that's unique to the WSA. Well, exactly. And yeah, it is that. something that yeah that the group is at least attempting to address. Yes. And Absolutely. I personally would love to have some scholars come in and point out the erasures. Yes. And, and point out, because, um, I mean, oddly enough, the example I use being from North Carolina is the Andy Griffith Show, which is a great, lovely show in the whitest town in North Carolina. <laughs> right. I mean, for real. Absolutely. I'm going to... But- uh, an know, embarrassing, time, embarrassing, but so pointless much... confession, Dale. I want to say yeah. I'm 51 years old, and I don't know that I knew Mayberry was in North Carolina. 
you are dead to me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've just always known the town as Mayberry. And I, I grew up watching that show, and I don't ever remember putting NC at the end I, of Mayberry. But... I have actually gone to Mount Pilot. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, See, I need and... to cancel the show. And honestly, there there's a town that has a whole Mayberry Festival because it's where. Never mind. Okay. Um, small bit of trivia: the yes. set of Mayberry was also used for Star Trek. Really? For the oh, original for the... Trek. No. You for... can see Floyd's barber shop when they go back in time. Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> serious. Oh, okay. We have really gotten this off. Off on the on we, tangent. We are here. so trying to avoid this WSA rebranding thing. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. We don't know. We don't know. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but I, here, here's the thing. The reason I think we, and this is me being somewhat glib, but no. one reason that I don't think we need to just cancel the entire thing, let's keep in mind Dolly Parton makes everything better. This is true. And Dolly Parton, in a small way, was responsible for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, you know what? We need to call it the Dolly Studies Association. Done. Done. <laughs> Problem you know, solved. Is, is working Dolly Parton, and we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, Sand Dollar Productions is is her company. Yeah. So, and and again, that's I, I get that that's being somewhat glib because it's I, such I have, a big problem. I have a timeshare in Gatlinburg, and we go to Dollywood all the time. I mean, heck, we can we can have meetings at my timeshare. Uh, I love it. That would be terrible. It's a tiny a little slow timeshare. motion bungee <laughs> in Dollywood. <laughs> Tell um, it to in Dollywood. But I I have to admit I I think the the organization is going to have to figure out what to do. I do think we look at getting rid of the word Whedon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I really do, and I mean, slayage is fine. We we keep the 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 uh, the conference is named slayage. The am journal I, is named slayage. Am the I really that? Am I really that stupid that that never occurred to me? What? Am I really so stupid that it never occurred to me to just change WSA into the slayage? Like, yeah, like slayage studies association. Like, I don't think that ever crossed my mind. It, it could work. I, th- I think everyone is trying to figure out a way to make it not just go back to being just Buffy studies because it has expanded out from that. Right. But honestly, and, you know, slayage might be the way to, to go. It's, it's, a great, it's a great term. It's already identifiable with the group. Might be the way to go. Wow. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> the Dolly Dolly Parton presents the Slayage Studies Association. Slayage Studies Association. Dixie Stampede and Slayage <laughs> Studies Conference. What do you think? Excellent. I, I think all, all of us need some sleep at this all point. All our charitable work is for the Imagination Library now. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. I I'm on board. Oh my god. Got my vote. And and seriously, I, I think a, I think a lot of the initial work that's that the Whedon Studies Association did about Buffy being a feminist text, particularly, okay, that's plowed ground. We don't need to keep covering that. So now the next generation, you know, the next generation has its own Slayer. They come in and start pointing out the problems with the texts. 
we start focusing on Noxon and Espenson and Goddard and uh, the music of Christoph Beck, yeah. because WandaVision. Yes. Um, and, you know, we, we go in so, we go in some other directions. It's it's a collaborative art form. It's not all about him. Right. Beautiful. I mean, you sold it right there, Dale. <laughs> I don't know why this was so hard in 2018. Where were you? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I think I think the group continues. I think it should. And you know, if if okay, again, I'm trying to not be quite so profane. If <laughs> if Whedon is unwilling to make a public reckoning, you know, Slayage will do it for him. Right. Okay. We're good with that, and we'll do it in twenty-minute chunks. <laughs> <laughs> All about with, with a PowerPoint. Yeah. With a PowerPoint. <laughs> and with a, a, a huge use of the word "y'all." <laughs> <laughs> Don't mock me, Canuck. <laughs> it is my favorite word in the whole world. I see. I, oh, I always think of you know those the. The Slayage Association, which I'm now just going to refer to it that way. The Slayage Association as being very Southern because that is where it started, right? And and so that's why I always will make the y'all joke when it comes to that because I would say 75% of the members use that on a daily basis. Slayage, y'all. <laughs> there you go. There's the T-shirt. Um, <laughs> it's Slayage, y'all. So, and, and it's true. Slayage did get its start because, uh, you know, Rhonda Wilcox was at... Ah, uh, not Barnett College. Gordon, Gordon. Uh, thank you. Gordon it was right there on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. I was like, it's a person's name. Yeah. <laughs> and David Lavery, of course, was at Middle Tennessee State. And as crazy as this is going to sound, part of me, it's been four and a half years and I still miss David. I've been I, thinking about him a lot lately. I, and, I really know. do. I, yeah. And the man was incredibly generous to a lot of young scholars, including me. And I mean, he, I just remember how much he revered Whedon's creative process. Yes. And I can only imagine the, um, you know, it, it's, it's like when your parents say that they're not mad, they're disappointed. Yeah. Yes. And know how much worse that is. Yeah. Um, I was just I, thinking about him today and thinking, you know, when when David left us, Joss was still a hero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> None of this had happened yet. David always had pictures taken of him wearing the T-shirt that said, Josh is my or Joss Whedon is my Jedi master, master now, you know, and and I, I was all, all thinking the same thing. What would he say, you know, about all of this? If uh, if I hadn't put this together in such a last minute fashion, I would have loved to have gotten. I've always wanted to get Rhonda on the podcast. Aww. She is so hard to nail down. Sweetest thing. I, I adore her, and I really, <laughs> yeah. I really. Me too. If I'd had more time, I really would have tried to get her on here. Although um, it also might have broken my heart to bring on you. You really might want to reach out to her uh -huh. because. Trust me, she will come with just 
shockingly well thought out insights. I mean, we're we're batting it around. She will have you you like sources. She'll have footnotes in a PowerPoint, <laughs> which is an odd choice for an audio medium. But I get it. I get yeah, it. It's true. People at home will still see it, and it will be brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. It'll be flawless. All right. Well, we we could and will talk about this for hours and days and weeks and months and years. But uh, I know this, like I said, was last minute, and so I've probably yanked both of you out of uh, much more important. <laughs> life issues so no, this no, is know, where i wanted to be i was gonna say you want to know I, i'm i'll say this is my last thing to say to say about all of this is i am really grateful that you did this and that you asked me um and of course i squealed when you said that dale was going to be here but um because for the last 36 hours I, well, for the first 12 hours of the thing, I kept thinking, was it all a waste? Like, was it a complete waste? I could have written about any person and any show, and I chose this one. And the moment this call started and I saw your faces, I was like, nope, no, it was not a waste. Right. You know, because I know the two of you because of Buffy. And I know the Slayage people I count among my very best friends. And I, I, I don't mean some of my best, I mean they are my <laughs> very best friends are inside Slayage. And I just adore the organization. I adore the people. I adore the conversations. And yeah, it was worth it. And it will always be worth it because of that. I am not going out of here singing Mandy. <laughs> Dang it. Here we go, Dale. <laughs> Get the guitar. I have enjoyed this yeah. so much. I, I obviously hate the subject matter that we had yeah. to talk about, but I, I think it was important to talk about it. And I have to admit, I know this is going to sound like a mutual admiration society, but when you said you've been able to get Nikki. Yeah, we were in good hands at that point. <laughs> I, I I will, to embarrass her, uh, I will confirm, Nikki, she was very excited <laughs> when I told her that I had gotten you to to come on. Oh, I was so excited with you. But that's what I thought you were going to have 10 bits. <laughs> I know. This has actually felt like therapy. Good. It's been very therapeutic. I feel so much better about a lot of it right now. But, awesome. Uh, I'm still, I mean, I'm sad. I'm sad that Charisma's going through this. I'm sad that we're all in this position. But we're in this position together. And that's what's important. You're a treasure, Nikki. Thank you so much for coming on. You are, you are a ray of sunshine. American treasure. Well, American treasure is a little tarnished right now. I will take Canadian treasure all day. Guys, it's minus 14 right here. So. <laughs> Oh, man. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. <laughs> well, thank you both so much for doing this. Thank I you. I questioned whether I should do. I mean, Dale knows I questioned whether we should just push on and do a regular episode, or if it should be a very special. And uh, I'm glad that we did this. I think it was important. So, thank you both so much. Um, yeah. I mentioned some pertinent uh, works of both of yours at the top of the show, but is there anything else either of you want to, to pimp to our audience? Uh, we'll start with you, Nikki. 
Did you see my face? I was like, mm, I don't know. Uh, she looks horrified. I'm going to go right to her. I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> you can find me there. That's usually where I do most of my talking. All right. <laughs> Dale? Um, you had already mentioned Faith and Choice in the works of Joss Whedon. I'd like to point out I have branched out away from Whedon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nikki's <laughs> publishing house was kind enough to also publish two books that I wrote with my husband, Inslee F. Guffey. One is uh, an unofficial, because not sanctioned by the network, Guide to Breaking Bad called Wanna Cook, which is also available in Portuguese, German, and Turkish. Interesting. Yes, we're very big in Istanbul. (laughs) And uh, the other is a guide to uh, a companion to J. Michael Straczynski's magnificent work, Babylon 5. Which I will stay is now available on HBO Max, right? Is that what it is? It's HBO Max? I think that's where it is. I believe that is correct. But you know what? No matter what streaming platform you can find it on, you need that guide. Dream given form. (laughs) I have that guide. And uh, my my frequent collaborator and uh, nemesis, Arlo Wiley, uh, and I have promised you, Dale, many times, you and Ensley, we've promised you many times, that we will watch Battlestar Galactica. I swear to God, we will. And when Why we do, I care if you watch Battlestar Galactica. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Babylon Five. We you want watched... to waste your time watching a show about toasters? I can't stop you. <laughs> Track that. Babylon Five. We've sworn that we're going to watch it, uh, and that we will use your beautiful study guide uh, as we do so. But uh, now we have no excuse. I'm telling Inslee on you. Now, now we have no excuse. Now we can't say, well, I don't want to buy the DVDs or whatever. Yeah. So it's going to happen, Dale. And you and Inslee will both come on a podcast and talk about it with us. Lovely. I am not, I repeat, not going to create a brand new podcast just about <laughs> Babylon 5. That will not happen. I've learned my lesson. But we'll record something. And uh, you're both welcome back any and every time that you want to come back. Um, Dale, uh, yes. you you can't go anywhere because you are coming back next week to record True. the episode that we were going to record tonight. <laughs> um, so, yeah, next week we're going to Dale's here. and We're going to talk about uh, episode Angel episodes 103 in the dark, 104 I fall to pieces and 105 Room of the View. Doyle-centric but, episodes. I yeah, I've got some news for you after we're off the mic. <laughs> but Uh-oh. you are but you are back for those. You're back for those. Um, so uh, as an outro, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you can find links to this and all of our past episodes at the website Cons with Dead, conswithdead.com. That makes a full uh, website. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we will hopefully be on Spotify soon because apparently it's super easy and I'm just too lazy to go do it. Um, if you have any questions for me or any of my guests, or if you'd just like to join the conversation, you can drop us an email at conswithdead at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at conswithdead or reach out to us on Facebook at conversations with dead people. Um, if you're able, if you're listening at home and you are able, I would encourage you to donate to any of the charities we've mentioned, uh, equality now, uh, time's up. We didn't talk about that, but I think that's an appropriate one. An organization dedicated to, Leveling the play field uh, for all working women and fighting sexual harassment, assault, and retaliation in the workplace. Um, it's t- 
timesupnow.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, so consider clicking on the donate button there. But anyways, that's it. I think that's all we can do tonight. So uh, until next time, please remember, if nothing we do matters, then all that matters is what we do. Every time you call me crazy, you getting more crazy. What about that? And you fall.